wanted to take a second and recognize my sponsors this week. You know, Gay Lisby's Million Dollar Arbitrage as Edge and List Group. That's a mouthful. It is. But guess what? It's a great opportunity. You know, you can build a big Amazon business. You don't need a lot of capital when you start. I mean, we all started, you know, well, most of us started selling books. And then you move into retail arbitrage. That is the place that you can turn your money the fastest in online arbitrage. And so by having that skill set, by learning those skill sets, you can get the best bang for your buck. And so Gay's group will help you learn online arbitrage. It's it's more than just a list service. They're going to give you a whole bunch of actionable inventory every single day, right? Monday through Friday. However, there's also a mentorship that goes on. And that mentorship is so important because sometimes it's great to know what to buy, but it's more important to understand why to buy it. Yeah, it's that you know, learning to fish or just getting fed. You know, you really want to learn because ultimately you want to strike it on your own. And this is a great way to do it. So how about seven days free trial? How about a free trial? Right. Very, very cool. So it's amazingfreedom.com forward slash is a mouthful. The word momentum. You got to use a hyphen and you put in the word arbitrage. So it's amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum dash arbitrage. And you're going to get a free trial in Gay's group. You got to tell her I sent you, right? I'll also have the link in the episode. But it's such a great opportunity. She is amazing, amazing. I'm in that group, so you'll see me there. An amazing, amazing person who's there to answer your questions, who's there to help lead you and help guide you. And that's what Gay does. She does it every single day. The testimonials are real. Go take a look. You will be blown away. And again, it's a free trial. I have the link on this episode. Reach in. You know, Seller Labs, uh, Jeff Cohen and the team, they have blown me away with this scope project. We use this all the time for our business. We do a lot of uh, private label. We also do a lot of wholesale and wholesale bundles, you know, or multi-packs, that kind of thing, which a lot of people do. But we use um, scope to help us figure out what are the keywords. And so it's really simple. You basically figure out where you're going to sell, what you're going to sell, what category, find that like product, find the top couple sellers, and find their keywords. Boom, magic, there you go. You copy the best because it's working. And guess what? That's a proof of concept, and Scope allows you to do that. So it's sellerlabs.com forward slash scope. Sellerlabs.com forward slash scope. Use the code word momentum, and you're going to get couple days free trial and you're going to save a little bit of money and you're going to get some free keywords it's worth every penny i'm in that group come and check me out sellerlabs.com forward slash scope again use the word momentum solutions for e-commerce karen locker great 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 group i've been using them for a long time I guess it's over two years and I'm in there and I pay just like everybody else. Yes, she's a sponsor of my show, but she makes me pay and I got the same $50 discount that you can get. Oh, by the way, you're going to get that through my link and my link only. Oh, and you're also going to get the free inventory health analysis. Great way to start 2018. Get your inventory in line and Karen will help you do that. We use them for everything. I mean, basically, uh, you know, long-term storage fees coming up. Guess what? She'll evaluate, she'll make some recommendations, and I'll say, yep, check, 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 take these out, this, return, blah, 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 and magically it's done. I love it, love it, love it. I love the fact that they take and get rid of stranded inventory for me. I see it in there, and then next time I go in and it's gone. 
Love it. Love it. Love it. Got an IP infringement? She's going to help you work your way through that. This is the kind of service that you get from Karen Locker. That's solutions for the number four e-commerce solutions for e-commerce.com forward slash momentum, right? So you got to forward slash momentum and you're going to save $50 a month. 600 bucks a year by just clicking that link. She pays me. I don't want to hide that. I never do. I'm always upfront about that. But it doesn't cost you anything additional. And you're going to get that inventory health report. The only way you get that is through my link. Solutions, the number four, ecommerce.com forward slash momentum. Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 272, Nathan Resnick. Now, you'll listen to this guy and you'll be like, this dude knows what he's talking about. Man, I can't believe it. And then you're going to go, wait, did he just say he's 23? Did he say he did this stuff at 19? Did he say, yes, all those things are yes. Did he go to China at 16 and, you know, do, yes, all those things are yes. And I think that's what's so cool about him. And that's why he's having such incredible success. Again, he's not afraid uh, because he doesn't have the boundaries that we've all been, you know, cautioned with. Um, he's just willing to try it and go take them and get the most from it. Take advantage of it, I guess is what I was trying to say. And man, I just, I'm, I'm blown away, very impressed. And I just love what his company does because some of the challenges that he solved are challenges that I've come up against myself in private label. And um, it's very, very cool, the service that they offer. And he's going to give a discount. And again, I do not benefit. Steve doesn't benefit in any way other than you having success. Let's get into the podcast. All right, welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. Very excited about today's guest because I've been watching him from the sidelines. And I see, I see action, not like, you know, in a negative way. I mean, just like, real positive action and a lot of activity and a lot of people talking about it. And I just think that that's so important uh, to figure out, you know, what's happening in this world. And anybody who can buy me time, who could save me time, I'm in. And Nathan Resnick. Welcome, Nathan. What's up? Thanks so much for having me. You know, we have a mutual friend, Greg Mercer, and that's how I got connected with you, actually, was uh, somehow... It came through his group or something like that, and uh, your name came up a couple different times, and I just saw that you, you like business is good. Yeah, business has definitely been taken off. I mean, it's it's really been incredible. Greg's a great guy, and it's uh, you know really just a matter of continuing to grow. Well, I think you align yourself with the right people, and, and good things happen, and you do the right thing, and you get a good reputation. So let's talk about your company, and then the excitement of it, and then we'll go backwards, because I want to hear how you got into this company. But I just want to make sure people hear the company name and the good news that just came out. Totally, yeah. So you know, my name is Nathan Resnick. I run a company called Sourceify. We're the fastest-growing e-commerce sourcing platform, helping hundreds of companies manufacture products around the world. Uh, both big and large. I mean, everyone that's just starting out is is using Sourceify to bring new products to life, or even eight going on nine-figure companies are using Sourceify to add price visibility to their product array. Um, I guess probably the exciting news that you're touching on is we just got into Y Combinator, so we're in their program right now, which has been an incredible experience. Um, I'm actually up here in, in San Francisco uh, for Y Combinator, and it's it's just been uh, uh, incredible to be in that program. 
Well, it's it's very exciting. And so eight and nine figure, that's big, big sellers. But that doesn't mean that Sourceify is only geared towards large sellers, right? I, I think in the other way, I think the other extreme, it's a right. huge advantage for smaller sellers because they don't have a team. They don't have a department right. to help develop, right? Exactly, exactly. I mean, so I would say probably about, you know, almost 75% of our, of our you know, users through Sourceify are the smaller sellers. And it's growing. And, and you know, as the smaller sellers, sellers continue to use us and, and grow with us, um, the bigger sellers are taking notice and realizing, wow, I can, you know, save money and save time when manufacturing through Sourceify. And so it's really caught on, on on both sides of the spectrum. And, you know, those eight and, and nine figure sellers are even the marketplaces themselves. I mean, we're talking to Wish.com and, and Top Hatter, and these are, you know, marketplaces that are doing over a billion dollars in, in sales. And trying to uh, help them control some of the supply side of their marketplace. You know, and we'll get into what Sourceify does, but I mean, specifically, it, it, it helps you vet uh, manufacturers in China specifically. I don't, is there other countries too? Uh, I guess it would yeah, be. It's, it's all across the world. I mean, you know, our goal is to really develop a global sourcing platform. Hmm. So we work with factories across Mexico, across Thailand, Vietnam, India, oh, wow. Pakistan. I mean, really all across the world. Um, I will say that, you know, most of our base in terms of the, you know, factories that we pre-vet are in China. We've got an office in Guangzhou. So if, you know, you're ever in the Guangzhou area, definitely uh, let us know. Yeah, I'm out for a stroll and I'm just wandering down there. Um, <laughs> but it's it's funny because uh, today it's in China. Um, you know, look back 20, 30 years, it would have been in another country. And, you know, I think that part of the reason big companies are attracted to it, in the old days, the only way to go and vet these companies was to go and visit yourself, right? They had to send teams. It was expensive. It was, you know, there's communication issues. And so now the fact that this is available, I think, is a big deal. So right, we're going to get there. We're going to go into the details, and we're going to. I'm going to let you pitch your whole thing. Steve doesn't mm-hmm. benefit other than listeners get a discount. Steve doesn't benefit. So yeah. let's go how you got into this. Now, you're not an well, old dude like me. You're a younger guy. Um, how did you get into the e-commerce world? Yeah, definitely. That's a great question. And, you know, for me, I'm going to jump back to high school. And, and I'm I'm 23 years old. I mean, oh, I'm come a, on, 23. <laughs> I've got, you've heard me say it. Socks older than this. Kelly Loach is like, what's he talking about? Socks older than this. Yeah. So, you know, really my whole story starts in high school because, um, you know, I guess I wanted to be different. And so my freshman year of high school, I started studying Mandarin Chinese. And really, it, it took off during my junior year of high school, where I actually made the decision to become a foreign exchange student. And I made that decision to live in China with a host family that didn't speak English and attend a local Chinese high school. I mean, I was one of, we had 48 students on my program. So I was one of 48 students uh, in the world to fully immerse in China for a full year. Um, Hold on a second. Pull back there a second. Who suggested this? I mean, you didn't come in one day and like, you know, wake up in this dream. I want to go to China. I mean, were your parents directing saying, hey, this is the future? I mean, (laughs) what was it It that clicked for you? It was my neighbor. So I had a neighbor who had a very, you know, global background. And so he had done this program the year before me and he took me to lunch at this Chinese restaurant. And he's like, you know, speaking near fluent Mandarin to the waiter, telling me all these unbelievable stories and I'm like you know man I'm like man you know I think I'm gonna check this program out and it, it was called school year abroad for anyone that's you know looking into studying abroad or has kids that are looking into studying abroad it's a great way to start in, in high school and you know at first my mom was oh Nathan that sounds great you should go for it and then when I got in the program she was like Nathan don't no, go no no 
for a whole year. And it was, uh, you know, for me, I think really what pushed me to go was I had an older sister. I, you know, knew what I was going to do in high school that junior year if I stayed, uh, you know, in Maryland where I'm from. And I realized, you know, let's just take this shot and see what happens. It's, it's only a year. And at the time, I was 16 years old. I mean, I went over there just with a completely open mind because I didn't even know what to expect. You know, I'd read about the, the Chinese economy booming and growing so fast, and I wanted to be involved. And I always had a very international, global mindset. I mean, I'd read those, you know, entrepreneur magazines or Inc. magazines and, and really was fascinated by these entrepreneurial stories. And so I figured, you know, hey, let's 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 go to China and see what is actually going on on the ground floor. Um, and I went over there, and it was it was mind blowing. I mean, it was crazy because I remember the first two weeks they put us in this orientation that was supposed to, you know, help us uh, get comfortable with the culture and, and just the scene over there. And we were like maybe probably you know two three hours outside of Beijing. And they put us in this like dorm where it had concrete floors, you know, no internet, no nothing. And I'm thinking to myself, oh man, like what did I get myself into? Hmm, like like completely a prison. disconnected from the outside world. And that's what I thought the program was going to be. I mean, we went on some amazing hikes those first two weeks and really got to, you know, connect with the other students in the program. But um, it wasn't until we, you know, got back to the outskirts of Beijing where we, you know, found out who our host families were going to be. And I mean, you know, I was extremely fortunate to have a host family that welcomed me with open arms and that, you know, even to this day, I talk to them on WeChat about once a week. I mean, it's just incredible to uh, grow and, and connect with people on, on such a global scale like that. And, and by the end of that year, I mean, you know, they really felt like like real family. I mean, I'd call my host mom, mom, I'd call my host dad, dad, and I had a younger host brother who's, you know, seems like a real brother to me now. So it's been a, you know, incredible experience to see this come full circle and, in China, you know, that year in 2010, when I when I was living there, we 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 started selling, you know, basically knockoff products on eBay, and uh -oh. um, yeah, this was it was a quick learning experience. And um, you know, here's the thing: when you have, you know, Beats headphones, for example, and let's say Beats needs to produce, you know, 100,000 units, the factories that are producing that 100,000 units, they can't produce exactly 100,000 units. I mean, there's going to be some runoff. Um, and there's going to be some products that don't pass their, you know, QC inspection. And so for us, we'd go to a lot of these markets and find these, you know, basically runoff products that either didn't meet the cut or were very similar. Or sometimes they even, you know, seemed exact and sometimes even came from the same factories. And we, we did start, you know, flipping them on eBay a bit and uh, soon realized that that wasn't scalable because we were infringing on someone else's trademark. But, you know, that was really my first dive into e-commerce is selling these products on eBay. And um, from there, you know, I just continued to become excited by the power of these factories. I mean, you know, you look at anything that you're wearing or using, and I'm pretty confident that, you know, at least some bit of it has come from a factory in Asia. And then diving into, you know, a factory supply chain, like if you're producing watches, you know, you're probably dealing with the actual watch assembly factory. And that assembly factory is going to have their own smaller factories for the strap, for the hands, for the case. All those little parts come together to this assembly factory to make up that product. And so for me, that was always so exciting and just fascinating. And, um, you know, by the end of that year in 2010, not only was I, you know, speaking Mandarin near fluently. I mean, we, we we were studying Mandarin for about four to five hours a day that year. So it's not like we were just, you know, in the classroom or at home. 
in the classroom and okay. at home. I mean, my host family didn't speak English, so I, if I wanted to speak <laughs> to them, it had to be it had to be in Mandarin. And so, it was an incredible experience to really dive into another culture and, and, and immerse yourself. I mean, um, it, it was just incredible to think how much of an impact that has on my life today. And uh, you know, from there, I guess moving forward, I, I got back to America. Well, I have some questions there, so let's yeah. stay there. I do want to stay there for a second because it's very interesting to me. You know, if you think about having kids, would you encourage for this kind of? Because you're going at such a young age before you decided what you were going to do in the world, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you didn't know what you were going to do for the next, you know, the lifetime, right. and right. so you went early. Would you advise that to your kids someday? Um, I would say it depends on. You know your kid. I would say, you know, okay. for me, I was always making the most of my experience over there and always kind of adventurous and, and wanting to know more. Um, there were some, you know, uh, classmates over there that I had. I mean, I was with 48 other uh, students from around the world, and some other students didn't really go in with an open mind per se, or didn't, you know, want to explore the the actual culture and scene. I mean, some of them would still, you know, watch Netflix movies at night yeah, or okay. um, watch foreign movies. Whereas for me, you know. I'd be walking the markets at night or, you know, playing soccer with my host brother, really just trying to be outside and make the most of my time there. Um, But I would say it is definitely a, you know, big commitment and kind of just crazy to think about going that young. But at the same time, I mean, you know, I'd ask, like, why not, you know, especially if, you know, you want to add more excitement and kind of give a global perspective to your, you know, child, I think is a great opportunity. Um, and the world is also becoming, you know, much more globalized. And I see that, you know, every time I go back to China, like when I was there in 2010, you know, I'd be riding my bike to school for about 15 minutes to class every day. And I would get probably, you know, a dozen plus, you know, la wai, la wai. It's a remark that, uh, you know, Chinese people say to foreigners, it's, it's, it's a welcoming remark per se, but, um, and then when you would speak, you know, Mandarin, you know, eight, eight, you know, years ago in Beijing, people would be blown away that you could speak their language as a foreigner. And you go there now, you know, go, you go to China and you get very few, you know, Laowai remarks. And even if you speak uh, their language, you know, not nearly as many people are, are kind of blown away by your ability to speak their language. And I think that showcases that globalization has really uh, you know, sparked in China, which which I think is a good thing. You know, you have a lot more foreigners living there, um, and you have a lot more international opportunities there. You uh, you took away boundaries from basically any. I mean, it doesn't sound to me like you're intimidated in any way. Um, you do a lot of traveling, correct? Right. Exactly. I mean, I'm traveling internationally probably every other month or so. Okay, and so. By, by that experience, you've basically seen that there's not, they're, you know, they're the same as us, just, you know, the co- uh, country's different or whatever, mm-hmm. and you've gotten all that behind you at such a young age, that's a big impression. To me, that's that's probably the biggest thing, because I have, you know, all these preconceived notions that have been trained, you know, for 30, 40 years, you know, right. I know, never been there, but I know, because I've been you know, I've seen the media or I've seen whatever, you could mm-hmm. sit back and say, no, 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 it's not like that. It, it Maybe yeah. there are parts of it that, that might be, but here's the way it, I've seen it. Exactly. And I mean, I think in China specifically, like, you know, you have the media kind of portray the country as a very, you know, communist country. And, and it is, but at the same time, you know, on the ground level there, you don't kind of feel that effect of, of communism. I mean, it feels a lot more capitalistic in some sense because you're you're bargaining for so many different products. You know, everything is 
in some sense a negotiation there. Not all the prices are set. Um, and, and even there, I mean, as a foreigner, and I think to an extent as, as a, you know, if, if you're a citizen of China, I think you do have a, a lot of freedom. I mean, you know, the government does keep a close eye on its people and there are restrictions um, on the internet. Like you can't, you know, go on Facebook or Google. But at the same time, I mean, I think there still is a lot of freedom in China. And I think that the kind of perceived connotation of communism, you know, internationally when you look at China is, is in some sense not correct. Because I remember when I was going there, you know, for the first time eight years ago, people, you know, thought they wouldn't be able to contact with get in contact with me. People thought I'd be, you know, basically uh, isolated. Yeah. yeah, isolated. Exactly. That's the right word. Isolated uh, in this country. And really, you know, I wasn't. I mean, the freedoms I had there were uh, just as much as I have here in America, pretty much. Hmm. Very cool. All right. I, I'm just fascinated by the whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. Love the idea of expanding your mind early because that's the impressionable years, right? And that not having that fear going forward, it gives you a huge, huge advantage. And hence the reason mm-hmm. your business is doing so well, because you don't have any fear. All right. right. So <laughs> things are going well. What happens next? Yeah. So I get back from China and, you know, I finished up my senior year of high school in America uh, you know, ended up having the opportunity to come out to San Diego, California for college at the University of San Diego. And uh, for me, the decision really sparked from I had a buddy growing up whose dad was a Navy SEAL. And so I used to you know, come out to San Diego every once in a while. And when it came time to, you know, visit colleges and see different schools, I figured San Diego would be a great oh, city. To go this to. is so, the weather and the girls. Up, come on, uh, Nathan. Yeah. Admit it. Come on, man. <laughs> ended up, uh, you know, moving right by the beach and spent. Oh, surprise. You know, four years of college, uh, really enjoying my time on the beach. And um, it's still, you know, that experience in China, I always wanted to figure out how to intertwine my experience in China with 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 my life and with business. And so um, it it came hand in hand where, you know, literally uh, one day, I guess it was my freshman year of college, I had this concept to invent the first leather watch strap without holes and it worked like a zip tie like those belt buckles that you see that kind of slide like you slide the strap through the buckle and the buckle catches on notches in the strap and so you know i saw that belt buckle and i think i was checking the time on my watch and you know i wasn't a a watch guy by any means and a lot of people think oh you started a watch company you you know must be uh, really into watches and for me it was a matter of, of starting the business, and for me, I was more motivated by the brand. And so, um, I ended up launching this company called Yes Man Watches. And I, I was young, and I still am young, so I don't necessarily, uh, I didn't really think of the you know negative connotation that the word Yes Man has. But you know, for me and for my friends in college, you know, we were thinking in the terms of everything starts by saying yes, and we were the guys that were you know, cliff jumping between classes or surfing before class and really trying to make the most of our day. And, you know, that's kind of the brand that we created and that aesthetic that we connected with. And so um, that whole process of bringing a product to life was was crazy. I mean, that was, you know, I, you know, sold uh, wholesale products basically through eBay before and some smaller Shopify stores. But that uh, leather watch strap that I created was the first you know, custom product that I had manufactured. And where did and you sell it at? We were selling through Shopify and we launched on Kickstarter. Okay. So you, you know, so you actually launched a campaign, which is a big mm-hmm. deal. Mm-hmm. Um, how successful was Kickstarter for you? 
Yeah, so Kickstarter was a you know incredible process, and and back then it was, it was a lot more organic than it is today in terms of you know nowadays you have people spending a lot of money on ad budgets to drive traffic mm-hmm. to Kickstarter. Um, you know, for us in our first campaign we had thirty five thousand, which you know wow. wasn't a ton per se, but that's it, a lot it, of money. Yeah, I mean, for you know a nineteen year old, it was you know solid <laughs> money and enabled us to. Uh, fun production and, and actually grow a brand. So what was really exciting and, you know, what we didn't even realize in the first year really was that, you know, by the time we got through Shopify in our first year and got on Shopify, we had done just over six figures in sales in our first year. And we were like, wow, like, you know, we, we were just selling, we were just selling watches, you know, we weren't necessarily focused on the numbers per se. You know, our gross margins were amazing. I mean, I think on the watches we had about an 83% gross margin and on you know sunglasses that we ended up selling, we had about a 94% gross margin, um, and so the margins were, were great. And at that time, you know, on, on on social media, there was a lot more organic reach. Where you know I could post something on Facebook, and uh, a lot of people that liked my page would see it, or I could post a photo on Instagram, and a lot of people you know that were scrolling through their feed would see it. Whereas nowadays, you know, hmm. both those platforms have created uh, you know advertising to uh, basically make people spend money for people to see uh, what you post. And so we grew a, a lot organically. And well, I was going to say, how did you drive traffic? I mean, Shopify is not easy to drive traffic. Right, exactly. And so we grew, you know, a lot through social media marketing. And really what that entailed was giving giveaway, like hosting giveaways with different brands. Um, we do like collaborations where, you know, we'd both post on our Instagram page and they would tag people in the comments. Um, and so it was a lot of giveaways that we did. And for us, you know, the giveaway is just a cost of a watch plus shipping, which wasn't much. Um, and it enabled us to grow through social media like that. Um, nowadays, you know, I think that strategy is, is pretty saturated in terms of it's a lot harder to get organic reach on uh, these social media platforms. But, you know, really, we grew through social media and we also did in-person events. Uh, this is oh, cool. kind, of, kind of a funny story where we host or we'd, we'd, you know, sponsor like Hard Rock Hotel pool parties that they had downtown in downtown San Diego. Oh, and, God. This, and this I, is a California thing, you yeah. guys. It's a California and Vegas. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I wasn't even 21 at the time. Oh, man. I'd always walk in carrying, you know, the boxes of product that we were bringing in. And, you know, people were getting drunk and we were selling sunglasses for, you know, 30 to $50 a pop. And like on a Saturday at the Hard Rock Hotel downtown, we could do like, you know, 2500 almost $3,000 in sales in a Saturday. And I was like, oh, wow, well, this isn't, you know, hard money. And it's it's, it's pretty fun selling uh, and, and drinking some beers. So it was, it was a good time. Um, and that's, you know, another way we grew is just through a lot of different events. But, you know, the event marketing is very hard to scale out. And so we really kind of continue to shift our focus towards uh, social media and, and selling through Shopify and and a bit on Amazon as well. We did. Our, we put our sunglasses okay. on Amazon. So you didn't come to Amazon. You know, yeah. you sit back and you think about the event marketing and all those different things that you did. They do help you, though, as as new marketplaces, as new tools come out. Those concepts, you know, while it's not an event, it could be an online event, right, or whatever. Right. I mean, there are other ways. So I don't think that that time is misspent. I think it's tuition. And you got paid right. for it and you got beer and I'm assuming there were some yeah. women there, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of the biggest dynamic with event marketing is sometimes it's hard to see a direct return unless you're selling right. products there on the spot. 
Whereas, you know, if you're creating a, a paid ads funnel, you can track someone all the way through your funnel. You know, if I give someone, uh, if I meet someone at an event and tell them about my brand, it's very hard for me to actually track them all the way through the funnel. I mean, maybe I can give them like a, a coupon code that they can use on our site or something, but it's a lot harder to, you know, track someone at scale through events or offline marketing than it is through online marketing. I think that's why, you know, a lot of the e-commerce world has continued to push this, this, you know, online marketing dynamic where you can track someone literally from the first time they click on your ad all the way through a purchase and, you know, really reselling them across different funnels as well. Hmm. Okay. So let's think about this. So the other thing that you said that's interesting to me is that you went to Amazon, but that wasn't the first place you went. Um, now, in the real world today, that's what people are doing. It's Amazon, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's completely flip-flopped. But at that time, why not Amazon first? Um, you know, I think really the kind of dynamics behind that decision were we were, you know, trying to create our own brand experience. And I mean, Amazon, I think, is now, you know, if you're going to start selling a product, you want to head towards Amazon just because you know, they have so many buyers on their, their marketplace. But for us at the time, it was about creating a brand experience. And I, you know, I, I figured we should create our own custom website and, you know, own uh, online experience. And so we, we went with Shopify because it enabled us to, you know, not only streamline our, our payment processing and, and logistics in some sense, but also uh, enabled us to create a custom online experience. So we put, you know, a good amount of thought and design into our website and uh, launched through Shopify, but I would say, you know, it's a different dynamic because on Shopify, you know, you put up a Shopify store and the buyers aren't there for you. Whereas if you start ranking a product on Amazon, you know, you're going to start seeing buyers come in because they already have, you know, tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of buyers on their marketplace. And so it's a completely different dynamic as an e-commerce entrepreneur where you're thinking about where do I want to sell my products? You know, if you have that Facebook marketing expertise or, or social media marketing expertise, you know, selling through Shopify could be a good option. But if you don't necessarily know how to drive traffic to your Shopify site, then it's going to be a lot harder to scale than it would be per se to, you know, rank a product on Amazon. Well, I think it makes perfect sense. And, you know, the biggest challenge is people needed an immediate return, right? They, they got right. this product, they launched, they need the money. Well, we can wait and build it out on Shopify and hope, or we could build it on Amazon and get an immediate return. The right. challenge I see right now is a ton, I mean, a ton, every one of my friends that sell on Amazon, millions selling millions, want more control because, you know, the, the good news with Amazon, it's got millions of users and, mm -hmm. you know, the bad news with Amazon is they mandate the rules and, you know, right. they're making the rules because they're looking at the big picture, right? They're right. not looking at Steve's business or Nathan's right. business. They're saying, hey, this is where we're going. Right. We're going to let you come along. And so in fairness, it's it's their rules. The bad news, though, is sometimes they don't they don't align with yours. Right. And so they want to get off and do their own thing. And they think Shopify is the thing, but exactly what you're saying. It's easy to get the website. It's easy right. to get the images, all that jazz over now. That's really become automated. Right. But, but, but that piece of driving traffic, having a website with no sales, it just sucks. I mean, it's right. depressing. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And I mean, I think, you know, it, it kind of reminds me, I was at this marketing conference in Manhattan a few months ago, and they were talking about push versus pull content. And right now, you know, about two thirds of the world's website traffic, a lot of times is driven through Facebook or Google. And if, you know, two thirds of your traffic is being drive through 
two traffic sources, Google and Facebook, you know, if Facebook changes their algorithm or if Google changes their SEO uh, ranking algorithm, it's going to have a massive effect on your business. And I think it relates to Amazon sellers as well, where if Amazon changes the way it wants to rank product, then, you know, if your if your products don't align it with that new way, the rankings are going to be hurt and, and you your business is probably going to take a hit. And so I think that's probably one of the scariest parts of, you know, completely focusing on uh, one marketplace or completely focusing on one traffic source is, you know, even with Facebook's recent advertising update, like if your advertisements don't align with their new update, you know, your CPCs or CPAs are going to go up across the board and that's going to have a drastic effect on your business. I think it reminds me of two things. One, uh, when I was with Gary V for an event, mm-hmm. he, he told me, he's like, Steve, you have to be on every marketplace because you never know which one's going to be the next big one or the mm-hmm. one that's going to hit. So that was his advice. You must be on everything. And number two, I think a good example of the algorithm change recent that a lot of people are still stinging from is on eBay. eBay mm-hmm. has changed their algorithm. And so, you know, then Google stopped showing their stuff. All that stuff happened. And what you did doesn't work today what you used right. to do and so you have to stay current and it's an enormous one and we have a large ebay business so for us to modify it's an enormous undertaking right. but yet what do you do right otherwise you have no sales so i think it's it's sound advice so let's let's pull it forward right so you graduate from school with what kind of degree uh, i got a finance degree Okay, well, that's a great degree. That's a great degree. I thought you were going to say like IT or something like that. So finance is a wonderful degree. It goes across all concepts. You can actually read financial statements, which is pretty important in any yeah. business. Yeah. Um, that's a big deal, especially when you're out there in that VC world. You uh, you absolutely have to understand that, right? Exactly. No, 100%. I mean, you know, for me in college, I was always driven, you know, continued to be driven by entrepreneurship. I was uh, big into the entrepreneurship club that we had our, at our university and mm. Uh, ended up, you know, helping and working with a lot of different e-commerce companies like Original Grain and Loom Cube and Vincero and helping with a lot of different Kickstarter campaigns and, you know, really trying to create a name for myself in the San Diego ecosystem. So, I mean, I graduated, but I can't say I was uh, top of my class, you know. Yeah, well, you know what? I mean, I, I think all that stuff doesn't mean a lot anymore. Um, yeah. I think, again, if you learn something, I hire – I used to hire people. I, I retired, but I, I used to hire people and – I always was looking for somebody who learned something. I didn't right. care where they went. To, I, do you know something? Can you can you advance our business? And that's really important. Exactly. How about how about as you grow your business? You know, you're still in the California marketplace. Is it is that where the talent is? I know we were doing a little talk in the pre-conference about Texas and Austin and mm-hmm. some of the the marketplace that's moving there. It's really shifting there. I mean, it's like little right. California. It really has been. Yeah. How about talent for what you do? Right. I mean, so here's the thing, you know, at Sourceify, our, our you know, main expense is definitely people. And, you know, we've got to invest in A players for sure. And recruiting is, is hard. I mean, especially here in California, when you know, I get on calls with former engineers that were at Google or Apple and, you know, they're used to being paid, you know, $200,000 plus salaries for uh, a mid to senior level developer, if not more. And, you know, as a startup and as a company that's trying to grow fast, it's, very hard to compete with those bigger you know companies because the benefits are amazing the salaries are you know as high as they're going to be almost and it's just hard to compete and so i think you know in terms of talent i do think there you know are some amazing people here in california for sure 
But I would say, you know, the ecosystem here, especially in the San Francisco Bay Area, is is crazy. I mean, you know, the amount of money that some people are being paid and the amount of, uh, you know, just capital that's going into the ecosystem is it's it's amazing to see. But you know, for us being based in San Diego and being based in Guangzhou, it's a different dynamic. And hmm. you know, even I was talking to uh, you know one of our operations managers the other day and saying, you know, look, if we if we hire more uh, project managers and account managers in China, we're we're going to be paying about you know almost a third less per team member than we would in California. And that whole dynamic really comes to light as you're trying to grow and and realize that you know, there's some amazing people around the world. And I think the more remote or more international you can make your team, you know, the more opportunities you'll have when it comes to talent, because you aren't going to be locked down to, you know, one market. Hmm. It makes perfect sense. Um, so when, when did the idea of Sourceify come to you? I mean, what was it that you know, or did somebody else bring it to you? I mean, what was it that got you there, right? So you had product, you were doing well with it, you trying all these different things. You started on Amazon. Um, the sunglass business, uh, did it stay going? Yeah, so, you know, here was the dynamic where, yes, man, grew to, you know, a six-figure Shopify store. You know, it was enabling That's me impressive. to have... Yeah, it was in college. I mean, it was enabling me to have some, you know, good money while I was in college and realized that, I was always excited by the manufacturing side of the table, you know, <laughs> the marketing and, and uh, that side of the table. I wasn't like I was into it, but I wasn't as excited as bringing new products to life. And I mean, I'll tell you, the most exciting day for me as an entrepreneur was was when we got the first you know prototype of our original watch. I mean, to have that feeling of, of having an idea, you know, a few months prior, a few weeks prior, whatever it may be. And then seeing that idea come to life and actually being able to hold it in your hands is incredible. I mean, I remember I was tracking it on DHL in one of my classes and, you know, <laughs> I, I refreshed the page and it was like deliver. And I was like, what? Like it's here. Oh and my this God. Is my house that was like a 10 minute drive from campus. So I literally like ran out of class, like, you know, told I'm going to the bathroom, ran out, rushed home. And there was the package. And I was like, oh, That's my awesome. God, like, it, this is here. I, I, it was like my heart rate was going up, just opening up our first prototype. And just that moment of that pure excitement and, and adrenaline in some sense, just being like, wow, like, you know, this is a product that was in my head a few months prior and now it's in my hands. And, it, you know, I ended up not even making it back to that class and my backpack was in the classroom the whole afternoon because I was just, you know, we went straight into a photo shoot basically. I called my buddies like, hey, like the watch is here, you know, we've got to start taking photos, let's do this. and. It was just that excitement of creating a, a, a business like that and bringing a product to life. And so for me, as I had that, you know, feeling, I realized I wanted to enable more people to have that that same excitement. And so I started helping a lot of different companies with their supply chains and, and helping people bring products to life. And so that was always the exciting side of the business for me. And so. Um, Ended up selling, you know, that Yes Man watch company to another e-commerce entrepreneur before I graduated. It wasn't a big acquisition, but you know, enabled me to have some cash when I graduated. Still cool. And, yeah, and and I started as a kind of as like a sourcing agent basically. And you know, to tell you the full story, it, it, it was pretty funny. My first website that I ever launched that was uh, around the sourcing and manufacturing industry was FindWatchManufacturers.com, and literally. All we did was connect, you know, companies or, or entrepreneurs that wanted to start their own watch companies 
with uh, watch factories. And, you know, for me, I'd been in the watch industry for a few years by then and uh, knew, you know, pretty much every watch factory that you wanted to work with. And so, you know, our main, my, my main kind of business uh, at that time was helping people start their own watch companies. And so that was more of a consultancy. And at the time in San Diego, I had a lot of friends that were starting software companies. And I realized that software is a lot more scalable right. than a consulting company because, you know, with a consulting company, you're exchanging your time for money. Whereas with software, you know, you've got a scalable product that can grow without you having to spend every minute on it. And so, um, I realized that we could automate the process of bringing a product to life or, or cutting manufacturing costs through software. And that's really where the concept for Sourceify stemmed. Hmm. You know, I sit and think about, you know, learning fluent Mandarin, uh, learning the watch business. As you said, you, you knew all the watch manufacturing companies and you could literally speak their language, not mm -hmm. figuratively. I mean, literally speak their language. Mm -hmm. That is a massive advantage but it's perfect alignment for your, uh, and you got a finance degree. So it's a perfect alignment of all the training that you had at a whopping age of 20, sounds yeah. like, or something like that. Um, the whole life, the whole 20 years have prepared you for this moment and you took action on it. And I think that that, I mean, it just blows my mind to think about um, how, how cool that must feel, mm -hmm. how cool... I mean, what do your parents say? I mean, now they got to be sitting there looking and, you know, I mean, I'm a dad, so I'm always, you know, I'm proud of my boys. I have two boys. Right. I'm proud of them no matter what. But mm -hmm. I always like when they they kind of set a direction and they follow through with it. I think that's mm -hmm. the biggest deal for me as a dad. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think uh, I'll tell a story that I think reflects how my parents feel. And I think reflects the action that you know, people need to take as an entrepreneur when they're trying to grow a company. And, you know, so when I graduated college, I, I had always wanted to travel. And so um, I basically did like a Euro trip. I bought a one-way ticket to, to Athens, Greece and went around Europe for like four or five months and was just living it up. I mean, literally, literally, you know, having the time of my life and uh, exploring so many amazing countries and places. And um, so I got back home to Maryland, you know, without a job and, and had the concept for Sourceify in my head. But, you know, this was, I guess, was pretty much a year, just a year ago, about a year and one month ago, um, you know, got back in December for the holidays and my mom was, was like, you know, Nathan, what are you going to do? Like, you should get a job, you know, you can't just live at home and, you know, be a stay at home son. And so, um, I started, I actually started applying for jobs and I was like, you know, this doesn't feel right. You know, I know I have this concept that I want to start, but the problem for me was in my, you know, environment in Maryland, I didn't know many entrepreneurs and I wasn't connected to many entrepreneurs. Whereas in San Diego, you know, most of my friends are entrepreneurs or started or have started. Wow companies and so um you know i basically stayed home for a month month and a half trying to figure things out and kind of trying to figure out if i could start sourceify and you know understand how i would do that and you know when i talked to friends about starting a company in maryland and i'm not saying that you know the entrepreneurship scene isn't there i just don't think it's there to the extent that it is in california or you know, it's a different it's a yeah. different type. I mean, imagine right. there, maybe there are, I don't know what Maryland's known for, but mm -hmm. whatever they are, their lane, that's there. Right. But exactly. if you want to develop software, it's California or right. Austin or wherever. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, that was kind of the dynamic where, you know, I wasn't in an environment that was very, mm -hmm. that was pushing me forward as an entrepreneur. And so I said, look, you know, I'm going to move back to uh, San Diego. That's where my, you know, entrepreneurial friends are. Um, I'm going to apply to this nonprofit incubator called Evo Nexus in San Diego, which 
uh, we ended up, you know, being incubated through as, as a company and uh, enabled us to grow a lot through the San Diego ecosystem and, and, you know, really took that jump. So I moved back to San Diego, um, <clears throat> rented out an apartment on, on Craigslist and uh, just started working out of my kitchen, basically. You know, I think that the life of an entrepreneur is a lot of times people think it's more glamorous than it is. Um, I mean, you know, I still get up at 530 in the morning and start working by six. And I'm usually, you know, working or speaking to our team in China till almost 1130 at night. So um, I think realizing that, you know, especially going to this incubator in San Diego and, and even going into Y Combinator, you know, you have a lot of companies that go into these programs and even even people that think, you know, I'm, I'm in this program now, I'm going to be a success. And what they don't realize is that, you know, you're still going to have to put in the work. You know, there's no magic to success. Everyone has their own path and great mentors can answer some very hard questions. But at the end of the day, you're still going to have to put in the work. <laughs> yeah. You know, you sit and you think about, though, going all in. I mean, moving to California is all in. I mean, and, and I think what you're saying is, hey, if you really want to do, if you really want to be that entrepreneur, if you really want to be whatever it is, and if whatever version of the entrepreneur for you, right. you've got to, you've got to make the commitment. And, mm-hmm. and I applaud your parents for kind of giving you the motivation, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and giving you a chance. But to me, that's what's so, ex- hence the reason you're having some success. Yeah. So let's talk Sourceify. Let's, let's talk about what it does and what it doesn't do. Um, because, you know, some of the, it's not a perfect system. I can't right. imagine it is, right? There's always that, that there's going to be a gap, right? Totally. Expectation versus, you know, deliverance, uh, exactly. deliverables, whatever. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about, you know, the concept in the past was we would send somebody over to China. They would find a manufacturer. Then they would find other manufacturers and eventually try to piece it together and then try to find shipping companies to get product to you, right. and blah, 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 blah. Long time. This takes a lot of effort, long time. Mm-hmm. You've got a system where basically it it vets manufacturers um, because you're there, right. right? I mean, walk us through. Yeah, so you know, basically, what we've built out right now is the fastest way to bring a product to life for cut manufacturing costs. The way that we do that is you, you just go to Sourceify. It's trysourceify.com. You can submit you know any project or, or product that you want to manufacture. We've produced everything from hair extensions to beds and backpacks and sunglasses and hats and shoes and, and all of that. Uh, we produce in over 100 different product categories, but you basically go ahead, submit your, your product. We then send that product out to factories that we've pre-vetted. So far, we work with over 700 factories. Most of our factories meet the same certificates as like Disney, Walmart, VF Corp, all these big. Uh, They're making products for them companies, right? I mean, right. that's a big exactly. deal. Exactly. I mean, you know, for us, for example, a lot of investors ask, you know, how do you guys vet all these factories? We say, look, you know, most of the factories we work with have already SGS certificates or BSCI certificates or have worked with these bigger retailers. We go in and validate those certificates, you know, see the factory floor, see what's going on and understand the dynamic within that factory. And then once we, we do that and have that understanding of their business, we then, you know, enable them to start using Sourceify and start getting excuse me, clients through Sourceify. And so um, you submit your project, that project gets sent out to factories that produce in that product category. Those factories then submit price quotes back to our platform. You see those price quotes on our platform and then can uh, basically start communicating with factories through our platform or through WeChat or WhatsApp or, you know, whichever way you want to communicate 
Um, and we're working on API integrations with those other platforms so it can all be streamlined. Uh, we have project management tools like a calendar so you can understand when samples should be done, you know, when production should be started and, and all of that. Um, and, you know, and, and that's a big deal. I mean, I, you know, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, wait a second, you could go to Ali. I mean, and let's be fair. Somebody can go to Alibaba right now and search water glass because Steve's looking right. into water glass and say, hey, I want to manufacture water glass. You can put that right. in and all of a sudden there's going to be, you know, 8,000 places that will sell water glasses, right? right? right. And uh, then there's little, you know, little gold standards and all the rest of this jazz. you got to start right. doing the filtering and then you got to start communicating. you got to decide which ones and you got to right. start communicating and start that process, right? right. That's time. Now, right. you got to go through and start developing a relationship and then – who leads the expectation? I'm a new seller I'm trying to right. bring products to market. I don't know. Is two weeks enough? Is a week enough? I don't know what to right. expect, right? All those different things. You're saying that with this product, I'm going to be able to see, hey, this is the timeline. And it's real clear, right? They right. know that there's a deadline. They have it looming on them. Right. To me, those are valuable, valuable tools. Exactly. And that's you know one of the biggest dynamics right there is if you go to Alibaba, for example, you know, you search for a product, whatever it may be, you're going to get thousands of results. Thousands. You don't, you don't know which company's legit, you know, who's who. And, and most of those companies are trading companies, wholesalers or, or feeder factories. They're not actual and, factories. And explain what that is because I don't think people understand what that right. means. Right. So a trading company is basically a middleman between, you know, you and a factory. And so, <clears throat> you know, trading companies make money by, you know, taking their own margin. So, I would say trading companies' margins probably on average like 20 to 30 percent or so, um, depending on the, the product and product category. Uh, and, and basically, the, the scary thing about working with trading companies is you're paying through the trading company, and so they can disappear, you know, pretty easily if something goes bad with that product or goes bad with that production run. Um, and a lot of times, you know, these trading companies, you know, you ask these, these these factories from the Alibaba side of the table, and for Alibaba. You know, they're ranking these factories just based on who pays them the most, you know, right. for a right. company to be listed on Alibaba, they're paying about 300,000 renminbi uh, a, a year to be ranked at a, for a high, you know, search volume keyword. And so, you know, for Alibaba, it's a pay to play game where their goal is to get as many companies on their B2B marketplace as possible. So they don't care if you're a trading company, they don't care if you're a wholesaler, you know, they just want you on board and to, you know, create a gold supplier account so they get their money. And for us, we don't make money from these factories. I mean, for us right now, we, we only charge the, the buyer company side of the, the platform. And so it's a different dynamic where for us... So you, you work know, for me. If I right. pay you, you work for me, not that factory. Exactly. And so our goal, you know, isn't our goal isn't to get, you know, thousands or hundreds of thousands of factories. All, our goal is to just get the best of the best. Mm. You know, we just want the, the high quality, the, the factories that, you know, provide great customer support and that communicate well. So it's a different dynamic. Um, I, I will say, you know, what Alibaba has done for China is, is incredible. You know, you look mm -hmm. at other com countries like Mexico or Vietnam, and there's really no marketplace out there that is bringing all those factories online. And I think without Alibaba, you know, the trade between uh, America and China wouldn't be where it's at today because it's opened up, you know, so many of these, these companies to foreign buyers. And so, it is, you know, you've got to give Jack Ma and his team credit for what they've built at Alibaba. But, you know, even so, if you look at their B2B marketplace that most uh, foreigners know them for, it hasn't changed in like, you know, five, 10 years. And they make most of their money now from Taobao and Tmall, which are like basically the Amazons of, of China in some sense. And that's a B2C play that they have within China that is doing it, 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 extremely well. 
Um, but, you know, there's a lot of room to improve on the experience that Alibaba has created. And, you know, really that's where Sourceify comes in to really streamline that experience and uh, enable you to bring a product to life faster and, and more, uh, more affordably. Well, you're slicing and dicing it for us. You're doing a lot of the, you know, I mean, your algorithm does a lot of the work, right? It basically right. says, hey, you know, in this category, these are the five recommended factories. Again, the recommended, not because they pay you. It's just because we've seen them or we've had customers who have used them. I imagine that plays a big role is experience, right? So every time somebody brings a product through you and they get developed and that factory does what they say they're going to do on time and you guys get to see that right. that's got to move them up on the list saying okay this is trustworthy exactly. right? this is experiential trustworthy we've exactly. seen it hmm. and that's our own you know internal vetting process in terms of look you know the factories that treat our clients better and that you know work with buyers more are going to get more connections to our platform and so you know for us we have some factories where we're starting to become their their main you know client source whereas right now for example look at the factory side of the table how do factories get clients right now you know they either are on big marketplaces like alibaba or global sources or made in china or they're going to trade shows and each one is going to cost them about you know fifty thousand dollars or so per year and for them the lead flow is horrible you know they have to spend so much time and money qualifying those leads to see which buyers are legit and that's why you know, a lot of uh, foreign buyers, you know, they go on Alibaba and submit, you know, a few dozen requests to different companies because, uh, you know, the reason the response rate isn't so high is because those companies also have to do due diligence on the inbound requests. And if a company gets, you know, if a factory gets 100 inbound requests from Alibaba, there's only about a two to three percent chance that that buyer goes into production. And so, you know, it's frustrating for these factory bosses to have mm-hmm. sales teams of, 10, 20, 30 plus people that, you know, spend all their time qualifying these buyers and trying to get someone to, to place that, that, that production run. Well, it makes perfect sense. So they, they want to affiliate with you too then. Um, so that, that makes a big deal because you're bringing real buyers. So right. let's talk costs. So it's it's 500 bucks, $499 if I want to bring a project, right? So let me make sure I understand this. My product is protected correct yeah exactly so you know we'll sign ndas we've got our own internal ndas with factories um you know we have the buyer's interest in mind we're always going to have your back and so it's 499 dollars. so i want to make this water glass which is a very nice water glass and so i go through the process to find the product requirements put my information in and then you somehow secretly through your system finds glass manufacturers right ones that have been uh, proven to make good glasses before and (laughs) they submit bids through your system again this is all done through some kind of content management system that you have right exactly just through our platform okay through your platform and then i get to see the bids come through and um then uh as they come through then next stage would be the samples right would Mm -hmm. be you know and then you guys help with that process Mm -hmm. and what i what i appreciate is the fact that you're actually helping the timeline you're 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 helping set expectations on both sides and i think that that's a big big deal because communication is so difficult right um okay so i I just want to touch on the communication bit a bit because you know, I've talked to so many different e-commerce companies and larger retailers, and you ask buyers on both sides of the table, and you say, hey, you know, how do you track your production runs right now? And the good ones maybe have it mapped out in like an Excel sheet or a Google Calendar, whereas the ones that aren't so organized, 
you know, if I ask them when's your sample supposed to be done or when's production supposed to be done, they're literally going back through, you know, tens of emails in their email chain just right. to see when that date is. And it's a big deal. And and so, you know, how many holidays do they have a year that the world shuts down, right? Okay. Those things, there's one coming up, right? And so what happens is you've got to plan for all that, right? And it's such a big deal. And mm-hmm. so then, um, again, you're monitoring production updates. So that data is kept back and forth. So mm-hmm. I guess there are triggers that, you know, and, and is, this, is your system automatically notify me? Hey, you know, we started production, that kind yeah, of stuff. So, you know, one of the things that we're working on right now is automatic notifications and reminders where, you know, let's say a production run's supposed to be done in two weeks, we're going to automatically follow up with that fact and say, hey, you know, how's this production run going? You know, do you have any updates with photos or, or, you know, anything we should know about? Because, you know, that's something that I think everyone knows that you have to be top of mind with a factory when going into production with them. And so we're automatically enabling you to do that through our platform. Another big deal. All right, because this stuff gets away from when you're fighting, you know, and think about a lot of the companies, they're small. They don't have teams. And so, you know, when you're wearing every hat, this stuff gets away from you. Right. So the product comes in, then I get to review it and I'll make sure I'm happy. And then do I get to review, do I get to offer feedback about that company to you? Yeah, exactly. So we have our own internal review process. You know, you can give feedback on the factory. Um, and then, you know, the product as well, like you know, we offer uh, QC checks and kind of the whole dynamic of importing that product. We work with, you know, two major uh, freight forwarding partners, Flexport and Freightos, that help you import that product to, you know, your Amazon FBA warehouse or your uh, third-party logistics partner or your, your, you know, own internal warehouse. So it really is up to you. But for us, you know, we're trying to handle the end-to-end process and then um, also working on integrations with Shopify and big commerce and different ERP systems to enable you to understand when you should go into production based on your, your inventory levels and uh, production. Wow, that's really getting complete. And where do you say, because uh, it says on your site that you've seen cost savings. Why are people seeing cost savings? Price visibility. So, you know, for us, we automate the process for you to understand what factories are going to quote for certain products. Instead of you having to go out and get you know, five different price quotes from from five different factories, we do that work automatically for you through our platform. So okay. uh, that's one way we give cost savings. And number two, you know, these factories know that we're serious buyers and that the, that's a very high likelihood that when we make a connection between a company and a buyer, or between a factory and a buyer, that they're going to go in a production run. And so they treat the buyers that come through Sourceify as very serious buyers. And so they're willing to offer better pricing because they don't have to spend <clears throat> as much time qualifying those buyers. Okay, so let's let's talk cost. So it's four hundred ninety nine dollars, and that gets me what? That, that gets you basically the end to end process of bringing a product to life. Or you're not going to nickel and dime me for more? Nah, I mean you know right now that's our pricing structure. So it's just per uh, product category. Um, you know I will say moving forward. The most exciting part of our business and, and what is really getting investors exciting, excited is that we're collecting so much data on what it costs to manufacture products where eventually we'll be able to automate the pricing of products in real time where let's say, let's say you want to start your own uh, line of sunglasses, you want bamboo arms and polarized lenses and you want a thousand units, we'll be able to price out that product in real time based on the past uh, price data we have from factories. 
Hmm. And so that's really how you can really quickly develop. Because in, in that case, you can be first to market, right? I mean, right. And, and if you yeah. know that, right? Exactly. And that's every single time. And so, you know, we're, we're launching our own uh, payment processor where we can handle payments between a company and a factory. And so when we have that data down, you know, we won't even charge that upfront cost. We'll give you the price of those of those units right off the bat. And if you want to go into production, you know, you can do so faster than anyone else. And you'll make a little percentage is that's how you get paid. Exactly. Exactly. So, so uh, what if I make those sunglasses and things are great? I want to continue that deal with that company. Now, am I still dealing through you at this point? Or does it then move off to my own relationship with that company? Um, You know, that's, that's your choice. I think every marketplace is going to have some drop off. Uh, You know, for us, we try to add value up and down the supply chain that makes it so you'd want to continue to use our platform. But it's it's that one price per fee. So as long as I keep making the same sunglasses, there's no additional today. There's no additional fees. Right. For exactly. That. Okay. But then, you know, ideally, if this worked, why wouldn't I want to do another project? That's how you're looking. Right. Okay. You're looking at a long game. I love it. Dude, I love it. Uh, 500 bucks. However, and Steve does not benefit. Make sure everybody understands that. Uh, you're going to offer $49 off. Um, if you use the code momentum, so the website is trysourceify.com. Mm-hmm. There's a start project there. What I also appreciate too, is there's a learning section, right? So there's case studies. I think case studies are so critical. That's a Greg Mercer that reminds me of him. Yeah. Case studies are so important because you start thinking that you're the only one with these idiotic questions, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody else knows. I mean, we, nobody, everybody else knows the answers, right? And right. It's, 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 I'm just me. And then you look at these case studies and you're like, well, no. Oh, okay. You mean other people have, you know, uh, aren't as comfortable and to do that. So I think that that exactly. stuff's really important. So that stuff's all free on the website. Um, there's a blog uh, there um, for all that information. And I absolutely think that you need to go and start thinking and looking at this and say, hmm, I see some possibilities here. And I, I love the idea that you can run that through. Um, just the time management piece, to me, is worth the 500 bucks. But you're going to save $49 if you use the code MOMENTUM when you pay. Um, and uh, I think that's very exciting. I'm very appreciative of that. Um, when, when you think about the future, right? Mm-hmm. Now think about what you've seen, right, and where, where the world has gone. When you look at where it's going, um, fastest to market is is critical, right? Time mm-hmm. is is because money is relative. Exactly, um, it's time, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really the only thing I think when you look forward. What's going to happen? I know there'll be another marketplace other than Amazon. You know, there's a couple trying something will work where right. somebody will hit it, but it's still going to matter. Is the ability to bring that product to market right. fastest? Exactly. Hmm. All right. Anything else you'd like to add? Uh, I mean, I'm going to put contact information to it. You also have NathanResnick.com, mm-hmm. uh, which is your personal brand. And you get to see your travels and look and say, oh, my God, he's 23 years old. He shouldn't be sitting on that beach. That's not nice. That's mean, man. That's just mean. Um and there's a lot of great information about a lot of the success you guys have been doing um, at Sourceify, mm-hmm. Anything else you want to close with? Anything else you want to add? I mean, I think, you know, I've always, you know, we've always got a, an entrepreneur's back and we're always excited to bring new products to life. So, um, you know, we're excited to, to work with you. And, and, you know, thanks thanks so much for your time. It's been an awesome experience being on e-commerce momentum. And uh, I'm excited to, to listen when this goes live. 
That's very, uh, very kind of you to say. I, I'm excited for people. Again, Steve doesn't benefit other than getting to see somebody have success and take action. I love when people send me a note. Yeah, I did this and it magically worked. It was exactly what Nathan said it would be. Great. Win. Exactly. Win. In my world, I win because you get some success and they get some success. Okay. So best way to get you is the best way to get you on Sourceify or is there another way or on yeah, your website? If you just go to trysourceify.com, that works. Um, you know, you can always hit me up on Twitter. I'm Nate Rez 94. Um, and you know, usually pretty active on social media on LinkedIn as well. So, uh, feel free to ask me questions and, you know, always excited to help. Okay, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I wish you nothing but success. Take care. Man, what a great interview. What a great guy. As a dad, man, I'd be so proud of that boy just because he's executed. He's actually done the work. He's taken and realizes very clearly that this isn't, you know, glamorous. This isn't easy. I still got to get up and do the work. Um, but look at him getting the reward from it. Man, I just I just think that's so incredible. I'm excited uh, to try the service because if I can buy time, if they can do some of that work, that takes time. That Just the management piece for me, because that's just not my skill set, I see some real value there. Again, save the 49 bucks, um, and I don't benefit at all. Use that code Momentum. It's awesome, awesome service. Reach out to them if you have a question, um, and take a look at their site because there's some really good information there. And case studies, you should be reading case studies. We used to read Harvard Business review uh, case studies all the time and that's how we get smarter and this is a good good way to do that ecommercemomentum.com ecommercemomentum.com take care thanks for listening to the ecommerce momentum podcast all the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number please remember to subscribe and like us on itunes